Hello, all you positive heads out there. Thanks for tuning your beautiful brainwaves into another episode of the Positive Head Podcast, where we are firmly convinced that creating success and happiness is rooted in understanding the ultimate nature of reality and the fact that as human beings, we are all immensely powerful fractals of the one and only source consciousness, which creates and animates all things. Now, of course, understanding this powerful truth is one thing. Applying this incredibly empowering wisdom to everyday life? Well, that's another. Which is exactly why we provide you with a fresh serving of soul food for thought five days a week. To help constantly remind you of what matters most. You are it. And I'm your host, Brandon Beecham. I'm the reflection and extension of you who will be here each Wednesday interviewing a different consciousness changemaker. And on the other four weekdays, leading the way to ensure that your perspective is consistently expanded, your vibration is constantly elevated, and your heart is overflowing and full. Also, this episode of the Positive Head Podcast is being brought to you thanks to the support of Gaia. If you're not familiar, Gaia is the go-to source for streaming consciousness content online, and you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash Positive Head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash Positive Head. Check it out. All right, all you Positive Heads, on this week's interview episode, I'm very excited But don't worry, not too excited to have Tantra expert Andre Knight here with me on the show. Andre is a social alchemist, a metaphysical maverick who combines meditation, energy work, Tantra, as I mentioned, life coaching to help people consciously awaken to their fullest potential, uh, as well as overcome mental, spiritual, creative, traumatic blocks uh, that stand in the way of them realizing their, their, you know, deepest dreams, desires. He's worked with a ton of people. People, all walks of life, uh, victims of abuse, you know, veterans, addicts, uh, corporate execs, star athletes, Hollywood celebrities, rock stars, presidential candidates, three royal families. I mean, you name it. This guy's pretty much uh, interacted with everyone. Uh, he's also led group meditations at the LA Coliseum, presented workshops at a lot of my favorite festivals, Lucidity, Lightning in a Bottle, Conscious Life Expo, uh, Contact in the Desert. And uh, as if that wasn't enough, guys, at the request of Andre, since we're going to be talking about sacred sexuality in this episode, we've included the lovely Dr. Erica Middlemiss as a co-host to bring in some divine feminine energy into the mix. So I'd love to welcome both Andre and Erica to the show. Such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Brandon. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I really appreciate it. And Erica, thank you so much for accepting the invitation to join us today. Yes, thank you so much for asking. I'm very honored and grateful to be here. Thank you both. It was actually an idea of yours that um, inspired me to reach out to the show. One of the first episodes I ever heard was one of yours where you were substituting, so it comes full circle. Yes, it does. Excellent. Beautiful. 
Yeah, they, that's such a perfect, uh, perfect uh, little mini synchronicity there that, uh, you know, Andre was just explaining to us that uh, one of the first Positive Head episodes he heard was when Erica uh, took over the controls. I was traveling and she talked about this very topic and he's like, yes, that's my jam. I got to get on the show, too. And here we all are. Uh, now, before we dive in too deep, uh, I would like to be very, very predictable and ask the same question I always start off with. <laughs> Andre, you're in an elevator. Uh, the woman next mm-hmm. to you looks over, says, what's your passion? You got 10 floors to answer. What do you say? Well, first and foremost, I'd say the important question is, what is your passion? And how mm. can I help you realize it? Mm. But um, since we're using the floors to describe in a nutshell what I would do, I would say it's assisting people to connect with themselves and the world around them on a deeper, energetic level. Because when you get to that level, a lot of the questions start to go away. We start thinking with our heart instead of our head. It's not about me telling the person what they need to do. It's about helping them realize what they need to do. So it's about a deeper connection to yourself and the world around you on an energetic level. I'm just the guy that's lucky enough that to get to be a facilitator and an aide in that process. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, uh, what I'd love to do uh, is get a little bit of background. How did you end up? I mean, obviously, I just kind of explained some of what you do, and we're going to dive into that. And that is a fascinating um, life that you get to live, that you've co-created for yourself. How did you, how did you land here? And I, I honestly didn't know I was living it, Brandon, until you look back in hindsight. Everything makes sense in hindsight. Right. When you're living it, when you're experiencing individual chapters of it, it's kind of like, huh? What? Right. This isn't how I saw it. This is not how I planned it. But you start to see the sense of it and how the pieces fit together over time. And that's, that's I guess, what I was fortunate enough to do. I went with the flow and I allowed it to, to take me somewhere. I started out as a kid, and it's appropriate that we're doing this kind of around the launch of the new Star Wars movie. But mm. as a kid, I'm that old, I saw the original Star Wars, and it blew my mind. And like many boys that age, I wanted to be a Jedi when I grew up. So the closest thing to it as a kid was martial arts. I started studying martial arts. And as a boy, you're always interested in, you know, the fighting stuff, the exciting stuff. Meditation was kind of that boring thing we had to do in the beginning of class to get it out of the way before we got to the cool stuff. But as I got older, I became more and more interested in the meditation part and less and less interested in the fighting part. And um, I was fortunate enough to study in a martial art that's not necessarily competitive or sports-based. It's very, very feeling and intuition-based. Like some of the exercises we would actually do as a partner stands behind you, they hold your hands a few, their hands a few inches from your back, and they imagine either pushing or pulling without actually touching you. Mm. And your job, because in feelings, they like to take the word, the language out of it, so it's more of a direct experience and response you just without answering you take a step forward or a step back so we started training in those kinds of exercises and i was really fortunate kind of at a young age to be made aware of energy i guess you could say and later on in my life um i had a pet that became very very ill a cat he had kidney failure and the vet said he would die within a week or two we should probably say our goodbyes And just intuitively, without knowing what I was doing, when he was sleeping, I would hold my hands over him. Oh, wow. The back part of his body, roughly where the kidneys were. And I just noticed he would start purring in his sleep. Sometimes the fur would stand up. 
That cat lived another two and a half years, and we stopped all of his medication. Wow. He had 15 to 20% kidney function, and we stopped giving him the saline injections. That's incredible. That, that kind of convinced me. So I spent the rest of my life studying energy and its applications and how to experience it more fully and more directly, which Tantra, really, that's what it is. Everybody knows the sexy part of it, right. and it, it's certainly a big part of it, but even bigger is this idea of experiencing energy more directly, which allows you to experience life more directly. And this is why I wanted to come on the show and have this conversation with you, because you already talk about this kind of stuff. Right. What, what grabbed me is your introduction. I was like, wow, this is great. This guy's amazing. And then Erica came on, and the topic she talked about was amazing. And I've been listening to every episode ever since. Um, it's about experiencing energy more fully. Sensuality, right? Using your senses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I first was in- introduced to Tantra through or, or learned a little more about it aside from sort of the surface level understanding anyway. And the, like you said, the sexy mm-hmm. part of it through Osho, who wrote a book called The Book of Secrets. And he refers I to love it, Osho. Yeah, he refers to it as the science of self-realization and talks about things mm-hmm. like, you know, I started reading some of his stuff and talking about, you know, um, you know, uh, in, in the East, actually, here's a little quote where he's talking about in the East, we've developed a science. If you cannot find a soulmate, you can create one. <laughs> and that science is Tantra. Mm. And I thought, wow, what an interesting concept. And I went on to read and he talked about, you know, of course, bringing in this, the, the sexual energy part of it. And it's just such a, such a fascinating topic. And I certainly don't claim to be any expert, which is why, why you're here. <laughs> but um, I don't claim to be an expert either. Um, honestly, my job is to co-experience yeah. with other people and... One of the other things Osho talks about, too, is the deeper you study, the more the line blurs between teacher and student. Yeah. You guys are really teaching each other. You're helping each other further along the path. It's a partnership very much like marriages, very much like any relationship is in our life. Yep. Uh, Business relationships, too, by the way. One of the things I'm getting into teaching more and more is Tantra in the workplace. Right. People making more heart-centered decisions, both in their dealings with other companies, but also dealings within the team. Who would have thought? Tantra in the workplace, but it absolutely has applications. Yeah, when you start thinking of it as a science, it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Erica. No, 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 that's okay. Um, I think it's beautiful that you're relating Tantra to the energy transfer and separating it from the sexuality, although that's part of it. It's not all of it. And really, it is about this transfer from heart to heart. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and we can have that in all of our different relationships and in a variety of ways. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. There's different levels, just like we have different chakras. So you can relate to people on any of several different levels. And it's not an either or. Sometimes they combine. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. So, what would be Sexual important? Sexual energy for, is one. Sorry, I can say what would what would be important <laughs> for people to really uh, understand about sort of the science of tantra. Like someone, let's say people that are tuning in right now and they've heard the word, or maybe even not even heard the word, and they're trying to kind of piece together, you know, uh, the basics of it. How how would you actually define define it yourself? Well, uh, we talked about meditation in the beginning. I guess Tantra would be the next step. It's once you get meditation and experience where meditation is attempting to bring you, Tantra is then the application. 
It's living your entire life in a state of meditation, in a state of mindfulness, not just when you sit down for those five to ten minutes in mm. the morning. And by the way, if uh, you guys are listening to this and you don't have a meditation practice, whether you want to pursue Tantra or not, I encourage you to at least do that. It doesn't have to be half an hour, five minutes in the morning, but every morning. Start with a little stillness and a little sitting and a little connecting with yourself. You'll be amazed how the rest of your day goes. But now Tantra is being in that state of meditation at all times during all activities. Here again, sensuality. So experiencing every moment to the fullest using all of your senses, all six of them. And it's interesting that you brought up the Book of Secrets, which is one of my favorite books, by the way. Um, the Book of Secrets is Osho's um, thoughts and expanding on 112 sutras or poems that are said to originate when uh, Shiva's consort Devi was sitting on his lap asking about the nature of consciousness in the universe. And he said, well, I can't really answer your questions for you because no answer I can give you would be the true answer. What mm. I can do is give you exercises that if you do them and if you meditate on them, you will arrive at your own answer. Sort of like I could write a book about strawberries describing their color and their texture and everything else about them, but it's still not the same as taking one bite. Right. So it's not that he was attempting to be cryptic or mysterious. He just said, I can't describe the experience to you. I can give you exercises that will lead you to your own experience. And Osho says when you read that book, it's a big one, but yes, don't be is. intimidated. He, he says, read a page and think about it for two or three days. If it really moves you, spend the rest of the month thinking about that passage. Yeah. And then go on to the next one. So it's meant to be a year plus long journey. Yeah, he's saying the 112 uh, techniques, one, you know, there's there's one that's right for you, essentially, or maybe multiple. So it's a matter of sort of finding exactly. finding which technique really unlocks this sort of next level of beingness uh, and, and consciousness expanding. You know, I may have one that I really resonate with and, you know... Um, Erica would be something totally different and you something totally different. So Absolute, it's pretty fascinating concept. Tantra is very individual. Yeah, it's very individual. And in fact, that's encouraged. Um, a, a lot of people say uh, the difference between religion and spirituality, for example. In religion, the texts are written. They tell you what to do and how to be. In spirituality, you open up and experience. You find you. Right. And that's not to say that religion is necessarily bad. It's another path. There's many paths leading to the same source. And in fact, one of the topics I want to touch on is people often ask, well, what if I'm Jewish? What if I'm Christian? What if I'm Muslim? Is exploring Tantra then going against my religion? Because my religion says sexuality is bad. Remember that Tantra is experiencing, experiencing reality. Hmm. Sexuality can or doesn't have to be a part of that experience, first of all. Second of all, if we go, if we go into it, um, we'll actually find a lot of the religions had a lot more to do with sexuality than the priests really wanted to pass on in their writings for future generations. It is sacred. You mentioned at the top of the show sacred sexuality. It is very much sacred. So I believe Tantra, with or without the sexual parts, is something that very much a Christian can practice that a Jew can practice, that a Muslim can practice, that a Wiccan can practice, anybody can practice. Hmm. 
It's very individual. It's about finding you, experiencing you, and experiencing the reality around you on many different levels. What's really interesting is also the word itself. Um, Tantra in Sanskrit means simply technique or practice. Right. But what's interesting about the the uh, Sanskrit language is the syllables, just like in Hebrew, often also have their own individual meanings. Um, Hebrew, for example, is a very mathematical language. The word mother has a number. The word father has a number. When you add the two numbers together, you get the numeric value of, of the word for family. Hmm. Um, Tantra works very much with meanings and symbolism that interact. The word tan, or the syllable tan by itself, means reality. And the word tra means to break free of or to see beyond. So when you put the three together, it's really techniques for seeing what's beyond reality. Wow. Seeing what's at the next level beyond, beyond the veil. And the irony is you don't get there through escapism, though you can. You know, um, drugs, pe uh, people who isolate themselves will lead you there also. But the irony is you find what's beyond reality also by super immersing yourself within reality. If that makes sense, you almost word with it to the point that you can see through it. Right. Wow. Um, so I have a question, and really, it's it's for Erica to some degree because I, I think uh, as a woman, would you say that going here, like, well, first off, do you feel like you've explored um, s sexual experience and had a, a, a tantra type experience where it's a whole nother level of connection? Oh, yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. And so I know Dang. the difference. <laughs> yes. And I also have been, uh, I've had a meditative practice for the last 20 years. I've been a Reiki practitioner for 20 years. And so awesome. I'm very aware of running my energies. I can feel my chakras. I know what's going on, you know. So when you, when I am in union with a sacred partner, I feel the energy above my heart and, and then some. Yeah. And then I can actually do things to run it. And I have to remember. And Andre, if you could speak on this, it'd be interesting to me um, about grounding this energy. Because I made a mistake at first, kind of just being so excited about like, yes, this amazing <laughs> power. Wonder Woman! <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just and didn't think about grounding it because I don't spend a lot of time being grounded in this reality. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was, <laughs> I was wondering if you could talk about that. Absolutely. Well, it's, I love that you said focusing in on your heart because um, mm -hmm. in doing energy work on people, one thing I noticed a lot with my clients, um, one of the chakras that tends to be the weakest more often than not is the third chakra, the yellow one, which deals a lot with identity and willpower and your place and kind of how you project yourself into this physical world. The lower three chakras are physical. The upper three chakras are more spiritual, and the heart is kind of the bridge that connects mm -hmm. them in the middle. Well, what's interesting is look at where people's blocks tend to be. Years and years of parents and religion and social stigma, very much our sexuality is, is blocked. If you're lucky, you meet a partner who helps you blossom and unlock it. But with a lot of people, it is very blocked. And then the heart is the other one, particularly in men. 
Men have a much harder time. That's what time I was about to say. That's why I was even asking. Sorry to interrupt, but that's why I was asking Erica, because for myself, it's I'm just getting to the point, like I'm such a heart-centered person, but sex and um, you know, love have really been like mutually exclusive for me up until this point for some reason, where I've, you know, it's never been about like opening my heart chakra, even with in, in relationships, which is sort of odd as I think about it now. And I'm really just you know, now getting there in my own, in my own journey. So that's, that's why I was mm-hmm. curious. I feel like for women, it would be much easier. And you, you pretty much confirm that. Well, there's, unless there's a, <laughs> yes. I, I, I had my heart chakra, heart chakra blocked for a really long time because I put up this wall where I said, never, I was hurt so badly that I said, I will never, ever feel like this again. And mm-hmm. so I made a contract with myself and completely blocked it. So I had to like realize that that's what I did in order to be able to open it again, you know? So mm, Absolutely. And that's the thing with some, it's the heart with some, with, with some, it's the second chakra, which by the way, if anybody doesn't know, the second chakra is your sex organs. Okay. I've seen it drawn on charts two different ways and it gets a little bit confusing. Uh, but generally for most people, the red chakra, uh, the root chakra is actually outside and below your body a little bit, just like the seventh chakra is. It's Mm. just below your tailbone, so it's top part of your thighs when you're standing, or just below where you're sitting uh, when you're sitting cross-legged. It's outside your body, so the second chakra, the orange one, is the sex chakra. Uh, Which, by the way, the confusion between the red and the orange, I think is one of the things that this society is currently working on transmuting. Uh, Mm. You mentioned social alchemists, right? What do alchemists Mm. do? They transmute energy. And right. I do it individually with my clients, but I like to think that as I work people with, with people one-on-one or in groups and they tell other people and they work with other people, we're also shifting society's consciousness a little bit. And it's sort of like Maslow's Pyramid, getting out of this red physical only vibration mm-hmm. and into this orange is kind of the first shift. You know, we always talk about raising our vibration and it's interesting, monks always wear orange, right? Yeah. So I wonder like what they know and... Interesting. What happens yeah. behind closed doors, but yeah, <laughs> that's the sacral <laughs> chakra. It's, it's that first shift. And if you think about it, the first chakra concerns itself with survival, primarily the physical world, power, domination, control. So if we make our relationships and our sexuality just in the red frequency, mm-hmm. you start to see some of the problems society has been facing through the years. Whereas orange is creativity, it's bliss, it's pure realization of self. You see, before ego and identity step in on the third chakra, you see, it's egoless self. It's like when you lose yourself in the moment, Mm. right? When you're working on your favorite hobby or when you're having sex, time disappears. You have no concept if a little bit of time passed or a lot of time passed, you're outside Mm. of space and time for that moment. And that's what makes it spiritual, actually. That's where you're trying to get to. So... The second chakra is the sex chakra, and we talked about the heart. Usually one or the other is blocked. Uh, Traditionally, they say, um, you know, men are really good at projecting from their second chakra. Women are really good at receiving, but it's not so much man-woman. It's more masculine-feminine because, as you mentioned, it's not always men that have their hearts blocked. Erica, you've experienced it. So Mm -hmm. I like to say more feminine-masculine rather than Mm -hmm. man-woman because we all have have both both energies. Right. And how much of each you have is not always a constant. It's fluid and it's shifting. But if there's a block somewhere, 
uh, between the heart and the sex organs. And more importantly, when you get that block removed so the energy's flowing, guess what you're energizing in the process? There's that third chakra. Right. You see, and that's why I think, and this is just a theory, there's the third chakra tends to be one of the weaker ones because it's not used to having energy flow through it from the fourth to the second and back and forth. Right, right. You see, and when you engage with another person, usually that's part of the attraction. Energetic opposites attract. Okay, so if you have a strong heart, the other person might need some of that heart energy. Right. Okay, if you project strongly through your sex organs, the other person might need a little help opening up there. You see? Right. And usually the push and pull will balance out, and the result is you get not only those two chakras, but the third one as well. And now you can start to do some of the work with the higher chakras. You see, because you've got that basic flow, you've got that basic wheel turning. And some of that uh, higher chakra work, I mean, some of the stuff I've heard about I haven't experienced, but I, I'm, I'd be curious if you have experienced, either of you have experienced or have heard about it, or like um, one of the things I remember reading that I found fascinating was the, the concept of, you know, during tantric practice, um, partners that are, you know, uh, immersed in the, in the process actually merging and seeing through each other's eyes. That's something that I've always remembered. Absolutely. reading about mm-hmm. what a fascinating concept that is alone much less the experience first time that's happened to me i was really shocked and disoriented and then i realized what was going on and my first thought was oh goody oh wow <laughs> so it was like hold on i gotta i gotta hear more about this so it was like you're your mind but you're looking were you like actually looking at yourself you're because if you're seeing through kind your partner's eyes of, you shift back and forth yes there is that moment but the other thing is there really is no you or them at that point it's two bodies merged into one and you're both kind of experiencing both angles or polarities of it wow if that makes sense. And yes, you're experiencing everything. So you're experiencing the pleasure of two bodies, the energy of two bodies simultaneously, except in energy work, two plus two isn't four, it's 4,000. Man, mm. apparently I have some uh, game step up to do. <laughs> That's like incredible. <laughs> Erica, what was your experience? Well, actually, not that, and I'm looking forward to experiencing that, but my partner and I are telepathic, so we see what Yay. each other sees mm-hmm. um, in, in those moments and otherwise. Um, we'll see what our energy is doing, um, and then it's like we just speak to each other through our eyes. We don't have to say a word. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, so what about Tantra for people who are single, though? Like, and of course, once again, to go back to the Book of Secrets, these are all techniques, mm-hmm. and, uh, these 112 techniques. I, I think very few of them are actually with a partner, you know? Um, so, mm-hmm. that you know, is that... Six or seven, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess I kind of answered my question in a sense. <laughs> Much of Tantra can be experienced individually. Absolutely. Um here again, meditation is one of the first steps, uh, with or without a mirror. Um, I, people have tried it with mandalas, try it with a candle. If you've tried those methods before and they haven't worked for you, try with a mirror. You'd be amazed at the results. Um, and you just look yourself in the eye. Um, it's interesting. Ancient wisdom actually says uh, the left eye is the one to use. Whether I'm working with my students, but then it's diagonal. 
or if you're working with yourself in the mirror it's straight across because it's a reflection but it's interesting ancient texts talk about the left eye and if you think about it from a physiological perspective the left eye is the right side of the brain which is the more intuitive side mm. okay you don't have to explain everything it's not the logical side you just experience so it makes a lot of sense and yeah meditate open eye or at least give it a shot here again there's no right or wrong way and if it feels weird for you you know close your eyes by all means but the idea is if you're not an experienced meditator when your eyes are open it's very easy to daydream or drift off but when your eyes are open it's just you and reality and you get to see how things shift literally for your senses as your own vibration begins to shift that's that's kind of the idea ultra presence again um, and I started meditating as we were talking about that. I forgot the original question. <laughs> spontaneous, <laughs> spontaneous meditation. So, so basically, techniques. Oh, how to practice. Yeah, yeah how to practice. Mm -hmm. When you're by yourself. And then it's just the feeling. It's just the experience. You're not having an outcome. Um, you're, it's like watching a movie. You're just there and pay attention to what you're experiencing. And then if you really wa want to go further when you're ready for it, who is it that's doing the experiencing? Hmm. See if you can step outside of yourself and observe what's happening. You see what I mean? You're no longer the person doing the meditating. You're, you're the self observing the meditation. Hmm. That, that's a really good one to try. So these are some of the first exercises you can do. And then you can start to work with energy, focusing it in areas of your body and moving it around to different parts of your body. Because energy really flows where your attention goes. And this is true whether you're working by yourself or, um, Erica, I'm sure as a Reiki practitioner, you experience the same, right? Oh, yeah. How do you move mm -hmm. energy around? You will it. And yep. it just follows because you and the energy are one. Mm -hmm. There's no separation. So then you can get into, once you become aware of energy, you can start getting into exercises like moving it around. And um, you asked me about grounding. Um, there's two ways to ground and both are really great. And sometimes I even combine them. Um, first and foremost, taking your shoes off and actually going out in the ground mm -hmm. for a couple minutes a day. Um, I had this discussion with someone, we were talking about EMFs, and it's really interesting. If you look at a wall plug, there's three holes. A lot of our devices now, I know manufacturers got lazy and they only have the two prongs, the positive and the negative, but there's a third hole, the ground, which in theory connects your house to the ground, so the EMFs have some place to go, so not all of them are going on you. Right. So early electricians knew something. Go out into the ground. We can't control EMFs. There's always going to be Wi-Fi and things around us that scramble us a little bit. But you can give yourself those couple minutes a day to ground. Mm. And you don't really have to do anything. Mama Earth knows what to do. You just have to connect with her. Um, and then the other thing, specifically when you're engaged in a sexual act, either with yourself or with a partner, um, people tend to orgasm down and out. And this is true for women as well as men by the way. Um, what you try to do is energetically instead is orgasm up your spine. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is a good place for sexual energy to go because that, then, then you won't get the jitters, the, the overexcitement, particularly if you're an energy worker. Yeah, sometimes it's like, hey, this is great. Oh, wait, this is too much. <laughs> um, bring it up your spine and use that energy to activate the other chakras because that's what that energy is for. Kundalini rising, it'll naturally go where it needs to, 
and the right amount of the right frequency of energy, you, you already have an abundance of energy and here, if, if you're an energy worker, you already have an abundance of energy and here you go stimulating it even further. So yeah, sometimes it can be like, whoa, hey, this is too much. Consciously bring it up your spine together with your breaths and the right frequency of energy and the right amount of it will go to the right chakras automatically. Okay, your body knows what to do with energy. You just help guide it to the right place with your visualization, with your will, and together with your breath. And then combining them, uh, moving the energy both down, out, into the earth, and then up your spine, what you can do, this is, I start out my morning doing three of these, or any time I'm stressed or upset. Um, it's great out on the ground, but if you can't, that's okay. You can still visualize your roots, even if you're on the third floor of an apartment going through all the floors and into the ground. But when you breathe in, suck energy out of the earth and up through your legs and into your body, and then around your navel, turn that into an exhale and push any nervous jittery energy up and out through your seventh chakra. And then on the next breath in, you can breathe in cosmic energy, shower yourself with it, it'll feel great, and then push down into the earth any low, heavy, negative vibrations that you don't need anymore. Earth is good for absorbing that. And you do three breaths up and down and you learn to kind of move the energy both ways. Because we talk about the Kundalini snake, but remember the old symbol for medicine, it's actually two snakes. Mm. And the snakes represent energy, so there's always one crawling up your spine, there's always one crawling down your spine. And you can shift your awareness from one to the other. The idea is to become good at moving it up and down as you need to with your breaths. When you feel too much energy, and this also goes for nervousness, anxiety, um, anger, rage, um, very often it's an overabundance of energy. So we try to hold it in, we're like, I can't contain this anger any longer. Flow it through your body and it'll dissipate and go where it needs to go. Some of it will go up and out, some of it will go down into the ground, but you focus on the movement. What mm. we experience as negative emotion is very much, very often stuck energy. An overabundance of energy stuck in one spot. So it's learning to move it throughout your body. Hmm. Andre, have you heard of the, the concept of using the symbol of the ankh to move the energy? Is it the sexual Absolutely. Ankh? And here we get a little bit into Egyptian Tantra um, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to just uh, the, the Indian version. Yeah, there's um, a lot of disagreement. Of course, you have uh, religions like Christianity and Judaism that say don't have sex at all unless you get married. Uh, you have uh, the Eastern religions like Taoism and some versions of Tantra that say, no, have sex as much as you want. It's important to experience things. It's part of why we incarnate here. And, you know, this, this is part of why I, I, I like to say, even if you're religious, you don't have to be afraid of sexuality. Because if God didn't want you experiencing this, he wouldn't have made it feel so good. And make right. you feel so attracted to it. it. It's supposed to get your attention. There's something here. Um, but the Eastern religions say it's okay to experience it, it's not taboo, but just don't have an orgasm. Um, the Egyptians have a really interesting take on this, and they say it's not whether you have an orgasm or not. First and foremost, it's about learning to be in control of your orgasm instead of it sneaking up on you or being in control of you. So you decide, or you and your partner together, feel when it's right for one of you or sometimes both of you together, which is even better, to to go over that waterfall, to go over that crest. But you do it at your own choosing. 
And one of the tantric practices, which is really, really delicious, is you stay at that moment right before you go over the precipice as long as you can, because it's a really wonderful place to be. Everything's vibrating, everything's tingling, everything's shimmering. See if you can prolong that moment as long as possible. And then once you go over, this is the benefit also of bringing the energy up your spine. What most people experience as orgasm is really your second chakra opening up fully and it's radiating so much energy that your whole body and your whole being beyond just the physical body starts to vibrate and resonate with it. That's one. You have seven. Okay, so right. the idea is by circulating the energy, you have a whole body orgasm, not just locked into one area of your body, mm -hmm. but spread throughout seven times as powerful. Maybe it's exponential, 49 times as powerful is the idea. You use your whole body and you experience it full spectrum. And what you make that choice when to go over that waterfall and then you stay in that state as long as possible. So you're drawing out pre-going over and you're drawing out the orgasm itself. That's the idea. You have it, but you have it for a purpose. And then where the onk comes in, if you think about it, the Holy Cross is supposed to represent the human body. That's why they often have a human body on it in a lot of uh, the religious paraphernalia. But it's meant to represent the body. It's represent to, meant to represent the way the energies flow. Native American religions also have the four directions. We talked about the up and down. You add the side to side, and basically you have the basics of Tai Chi and Qigong. It's really interesting. Tantra is how a lot of the religions start to come together. When you study Tantra, you start to realize a lot of different traditions, common roots before they split up and said, well, no, we're all teaching something different. No, you're all teaching the same thing. That's the beautiful thing. You're just using slightly different terminology. So that's the cross mm -hmm. where the ring on top of the ankh um, comes in is when you bring that energy up your spine, eventually you get to the point where all your chakras are lit up. You've become a master. You've practiced this. So now you've got more than enough energy, even with all your chakras fully lit. What you do now is you allow it to shoot out of your crown chakra and you loop it back around and bring it back down into your body. Remember we talked about the bi-directional flow. And there you have the ankh. The ankh is the symbol for eternal life. And now we understand how you slow down aging, how you make yourself vibrant even into old age like some of these old, you know, the mythical old masters who could run up a mountaintop without breaking a sweat faster than their students. Now you understand why. Because they were masters of cultivating life force energy. The orgasm is really life force energy. You can have orgasms, just don't waste that energy. Yes. Is the idea. Mm. Yes. That is such an excellent point. Such an excellent point. And I also, if anyone out there listening is actually doing this in practice, there's so this and this energy is so infinite. Send this energy out to the earth, yes. to the entire universe. There's enough. I do it every time. It feels amazing. Mm. You know, we, there's so much that it, you only need a minuscule of what you're actually bringing in, right? Oh, absolutely. So, uh, well, the seventh <laughs> chakra right. also, the seventh chakra is outside your body for a reason. It's transpersonal. It, it's not really your chakra anymore at that point. The the division hmm. between inside of you and outside you starts to dissolve so absolutely vibrate the whole world um, I was actually at a festival and um, this was a very beautiful spontaneous 
um, moment. It was the morning and everybody was kind of sitting around and exchanging their tales from the night before. And there were two ladies that got kind of cuddly and romantic on the couch. And, well, they didn't seem bothered by other people being there. So we kind of all, without communicating, all kind of made the decision, well, we're not going to be bothered by them and what they're doing. Like, this is beautiful. Why are we always shaming beautiful moments? So everybody just kind of sat there, went into a spontaneous meditation and just sent them loving energy as they did their thing, you know. Um, mm. And right when one of the girls started orgasming, somebody picked up a Tibetan bowl and started playing it. Wow. Right with her sighs and moans. And it was one of the most enchanting moments I've ever had the privilege of witnessing because you could literally see the energy vibrations travel with the sound vibrations and ring the mountains around, you know, off in the distance. Like it felt like the mountains themselves were vibrating. So absolutely, you, you talk about sending it out there. And this is part of why I dedicated my life to studying this topic as deeply as I could and sharing it with as many people as I can because I believe this is how you heal the earth. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. All right, well, now seems like a good time to tell those of you who aren't familiar a bit about our sponsor, Gaia. I've been a big fan of Gaia for many years now, which is why they're the only content provider I have ever reached out to in regards to potentially supporting the Positive Head podcast. So needless to say, I'm very excited they're now supporting this show. Gaia truly is my personal go-to source for streaming consciousness content on the web. They have an incredible 7,000 plus exclusive videos covering 5,000 years of wisdom. They have a plethora of amazing content to always keep your positive head spinning. For example, in the brand new series, Beyond the Legend, best-selling author of Chariot of the Gods, Eric Von Daniken, takes us beyond the myths and legends that have shaped our view of history to present an alternate view of historical events, megalithic structures, and archaeological discoveries. Eric's been researching this stuff for over 50 years, so if you've ever wanted to deep dive into these sorts of topics uh, that you're just not going to find on traditional networks, Eric is doing just that on Beyond the Legend. And that's just one example of fascinating content you can find on Gaia. As you all hear me constantly say, it's a daily conscious effort to maintain an elevated vibration. And if you're looking to go deep down the rabbit hole to do so, Gaia is the best place I know of to do it, period. And you can sign up for your first month for only 99 cents at Gaia.com forward slash positive head. That's spelled G-A-I-A dot com forward slash positive head. Check it out. I, I started out uh, with not a lot of money. I'm the child of immigrants. Um, I had to drop out of college because I couldn't afford it. Uh, but then I started a company that really brought me a lot of abundance. So I got to experience both sides of it. And I was really doing financially well for a while. Um, if you want to know, I was a hedge fund consultant of all things. Um, oh, wow. When it happened to me, when I had my spiritual awakening and epiphany, I literally walked away from it. I gave the company to my partner. Um, I also walked away from a marriage, but it has a happy ending. We're best friends. Um, we didn't part in hatred. We just realized we had different paths to walk, but literally walked away from it all because this seemed so much more important. And the way I arrived at it, when I finally came into money, I was like, hey, 
I always promised if I came into money, I would give back to the world. And I started looking for charities to contribute to. And the more I researched it online, I, I almost started becoming overwhelmed and depressed. Because where do you start? Do you save the dolphins and forget about the children? Do you save the children and forget about the environment? Like, you can't possibly do it all. But then I realized if you help heal the earth, if you help heal as many people as you can, now you've got an army of people that are going to go out and do the right thing. I, I have a feeling it's very much like the same as why you do your show. Because it's right. keeping as many people as possible and as high a vibration as often as possible. And yep. the more we do that, we are the cure for the earth. Us vibrating yep. at that level is the cure, right? It's not go out there and heal people. It's really heal yourself. That's the best thing any of us can do. Absolutely. Right on. All day. Yes. <laughs> that. <laughs> you know, it's funny, Erica, because you had some questions jotted down here, and some of them were about sound and how it pertains to all this, yes. right? Right. Yeah. Because I was curious. I was having a conversation again with my partner, who's a sound healer, about uh, chakra seed sounds. And so I was wondering about how we could use sound in tantric practice. Oh, absolutely. He answered before well, you could ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, well, sound is a form of vibration. So is light, of course. We experience vibration in many different forms. EMFs, like we talked about earlier, which aren't necessarily the best form of vibration but what is really interesting about sound in particular is it literally moves you you know it's not just hearing your favorite song or your favorite beat and before you know it your body's reacting without you consciously choosing to the way sound waves travel through the air they literally move you and you guys have seen the cymatics videos where they put um, speakers or water on top of speakers or grains of sand on top of right. speakers and the sound vibrates things and creates geometric patterns you're 70% water, some people say up to 90% water, somewhere in between there. I guess it depends who you ask, but think of how sound affects you if it affects a bowl of water or grains of sand, which are meant to represent water in that way. Of course, it's affecting you. So each chakra has a unique frequency. Just like we color them different, the colors are meant to represent the frequency of light. They also have a sound and... Uh, one gentleman that studied this at great length, who was actually one of my biggest inspirations, um, I read a lot of his books and incorporated a lot of his CDs into my practice, and actually had this summer the opportunity to meet him because we were both speaking at the same conference, um, Jonathan Goldman. He's done a lot of work into this. He studied the Tibetan overtone chanting, and he realized a lot of the frequencies and a lot of the vowels they use are literally meant to stimulate the chakras. And he has CDs that you can listen to while you meditate, and there's a track for each chakra. He has tuning forks that you can order. I use them very much in my practice. You can literally use sound to retune the body. The cool thing about a tuning fork is it, sends, it has a pokey end, the handle where you hold it. So you can literally, it's kind of the combination of yeah. sound and acupressure because you can send yeah, the sound cool. directly to the point where it's needed and you're literally tuning the chakra. I do the same thing uh, without props and tools too when I do energy work. Same thing, I can send them a color, I can send them a temperature, I can send them a sound all through the palms of my hands just by visualizing it. And you literally, you, you retune the body just like you tune an instrument. If an instrument is out of tune, it's not going to make very good music. 
but once it's in tune, it resonates the whole room around itself. You can do the same thing with bodies. What a fascinating concept that is. Um, you know, okay, so one thing that I want to touch on that you I've been thinking of since you first we first uh, started talking here today, and in our mm-hmm. previous uh, email dialogue, uh, you mentioned real-life historical Jedi. And, of course, here we are. The last uh, Jedi movie is uh, about to come out in a couple days, and when this is released, it will have just come out a few days prior. But um, you referenced the real-life historical Jedi with a D um, spelling uh-huh. and, and even talked about Jesus using potentially sex magic for ascension and Isis and the Knights Templar and Sisterhood of the Rose and Mary Magdalene, all these like historical things. And we've touched on the Egypt stuff a little bit. So I, I really want to hear and learn a little bit about what, what you know there. Well, as I mentioned, the, the deeper that I dug into Tantra, the more I started realizing the common roots that a lot of the world's traditions um, have in common. And, uh, you know, there's the story of the Tower of Babylon, right, where people tried to build a tower to heaven and they tried to ascend before they were ready. And the gods said, which, by the way, interestingly, in the original Aramaic, Elohim is actually plural. It's gods. It's not a god. Mm, Um, Interesting. We can take that to mean whatever, more evolved beings, visitors from another planet, visitors from another plane. But it's, it's another aspect of God divided differently. But we tried to get there before we were quite ready. And they said, to make sure this doesn't happen again, knock down the tower and split humanity into seven races, seven different languages. Interesting, seven different chakras. Um, Mm. So they wouldn't attempt this again until they were ready, until the reunification. And maybe that's got something to do with the different religions and traditions around the world. I had uh, one person tell me, and it was great, he said, to truly understand... Uh, religion, you have to read the Bible, the Quran, and the Torah side by side because each one has a piece. And I started thinking about that story, the Tower, the Tower of Babel, um, as each, each one having a chunk. So the Jedi, you know I'm a Star Wars fan. That's what kind of started my journey. And it's, I'm really curious to find out why Luke Skywalker says the last Jedi uh, because I hope we have many more Jedi. I hope they start <laughs> to... I hope they start to awaken. Mm-hmm. I really liked the, f- the first movie of this trilogy, The Force Awakens, because it was a woman. Mm. Tantra starts with the feminine energy. And unlike all the other Jedis and all the other movies, she doesn't have a master. She starts figuring it out intuitively on her own. The Force right. Awakens. Um, I started doing some research... And there is actually a historical order of knights who called themselves the Jedi with a D. As you said, they come from Egypt, hence the Arabic spelling. Um, if, you look out, if you look up the Great Pyramid in Wikipedia, which is not a very spiritual source, uh, but even Wikipedia says the Pharaoh Khufu consulted a Jed wizard in its construction. Wow. There were these Jed, wizard, warrior, knight, scholar, monks that basically were back then the protectors of ancient knowledge. And the word Jed um, literally means pillar of light, if you translate it from Egyptian. The Jedi 
were the carriers of the pillar of light. Maybe that's the Star Wars analogy with the lightsaber, but literally uh, a more accurate way to translate it is they walked with the pillar of light, the Jedi. Mm. And what I envision this meaning is perhaps a fully activated kundalini. Mm. If somebody's energy is mm-hmm. flowing up and down the spine like we discussed, if they're a master, maybe they cultivate it to the point that the people around them could see it glowing, the walking pillar of light. On the other side of the world, we have uh, the Hopi legends that talk about around this time when a web of consciousness surrounds the world, right, might mean the internet, um, we'll be faced with kind of our choice. Do we die in another apocalypse? Um, The Hopi say this is the fourth world, actually, not the first one. It's happened before. And in the Bible, you know, we talk about things being destroyed by fire raining down from the sky. We talk about the flood different elements so maybe here again there's some overlap between these traditions um but the hopi talk about around this time a rainbow a rainbow tribe will appear and a lot of people took this to mean a lot of these concepts you can look at literally physically left Mm -hmm. brain or you can look at them figuratively energetically spiritually right brain so physically yeah maybe the rainbow tribe means um we get past racism and all the races come together and start working together all the different colors of skin that's one layer of looking at it the other way the energetic way of looking at it here again maybe if somebody's kundalini is fully activated all seven chakras are alive and glowing wouldn't that be a rainbow warrior so right. the rainbow warriors of the Hopi could very well be these Jedi of Egypt. They show up throughout history. There's reference 22,000 years ago in ancient Persia of an order of knights um, using something called the far, which was cultivated energy to the point that they could project it outside of themselves and affect the world around them. And what's really interesting is these Jedi... The, the term comes from Egypt, but they've been around, like I said, through all periods of time and all cultures. They seem to appear whenever the earth is getting ready to go through an important energetic shift. And a lot right. of us who feel called to this, what's interesting too is there was no mystery school like some other traditions and even the hermetic traditions in Egypt. There was no mystery school. There was no club to join. There was no initiation. The Jedi were self-appointing. If you felt it, you were qualified. Hmm. You see? Right. And I've noticed a lot of us that kind of resonate with this story today in this generation, we have a lot of common memories from past lives. For example, Egypt. For example, Atlantis. Very few of us were around during World War II, interestingly. Hmm. Some were. But a lot of people I encountered don't have any memories from World War II. We kind of sat that one out. Not that it wasn't an important moment in history, but it was a physical level moment in history. It was a human tragedy and conflict. It wasn't really a big energetic shift, not like Egypt, not like Atlantis. But it seems like these Jedi incarnate whenever the world is going through an energetic shift. And the way this ties into the roots of Christianity... Um, the Templar Knights took their name, of course, from the Temple of Solomon. Uh, but I believe they just took the name. They didn't originate in the Crusades. 
They were around, probably from Egypt. There's stories of three wise men coming to visit baby Jesus. Somebody is born with potential for special abilities. Let's check them out. They do the same thing in Tibet when a Lama dies and they're trying to find the next incarnation in a new, newly born child. Right? They, right? they energetically are attracted to certain children and they come check them out. Here again, the same stories repeat in different traditions and different religions. Um, Mary Magdalene, and this is why I say exploring your sexuality is not a dirty thing. A lot of our problems come from the fact that we're shaming one of the most beautiful, one of the most sacred experiences a human being in a human body can have. Uh, right. it's, it's time to evolve past shaming these things. Um, Mary Magdalene is described as a prostitute. What we found from the Gospels of Mary Magdalene, because there's a Gospel of Mary, there's also a Gospel of Thomas. They're not in the Bible, but they were in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, recently, there was a Gospel of Barnabas, which is a really interesting one that was unearthed in Turkey. It was in a leather binder and it was unlabeled. Nobody knew what it was, so it just sat on a shelf for 1,500 years. Uh, and it turns out to be another Gospel. But these describe some of the actual energetic practices. Thomas deals with how to develop the same ideas, how to develop the same abilities as Jesus. And while that might be sacrilege to some, and I don't mean to offend anybody, by all means what you feel intuitively in your heart is what you should follow. I'm just giving what's come to me intuitively. I'm putting it out there to see where it resonates. Um, yep. But Thomas talked a lot about we don't worship Jesus as a master. We try to follow in his footsteps and try to become like him. What Mary well, he even said, as even said, you'll do greater things than I, you know, one as of my he's favorite washing quotes, the feet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, John 12, 14, I believe, or 14, 12, right. right. Even greater right. miracles than I shall ye perform. That's one part that is still in the Bible. That's yep. getting at the core of what Jesus was teaching. And Christ, by the way, is more of a title. Um, crystal, crystalline consciousness, something beyond right. just the physical, what the physical brain learned in a book receiving knowledge from a higher dimension is what I believe what Christ means it comes from crystal um, having achieved that state just like Buddha did just like Muhammad did like many masters did through all sorts of periods of time maybe they were all Jedi um, but Mary Magdalene it's very interesting what is talked about in her gospel is that she was not a prostitute she is described as wearing a red sash um, women who wore a red sash in that time, a red belt, were sex workers. But it's not like we think of them today, prostitutes. We very much diminished that craft. And part of that was the shaming through the ages. Um, and then in the 60s, we had the sexual revolution. Um, the powers that be saw they could no longer contain this energy. It was starting to wake up. The kundalini energy, the shakti energy was coming to the forefront of human consciousness they couldn't contain it so they gave up trying and instead they perverted it and we got the porn movement of the 70s and 80s you right, see right right um which is also sexual energy but of you know a very surface level exploration of it it's almost like we'll give you this so you explore no further right um but back in the day a sex worker um there were temples for studying sexual energy for studying Tantra, for studying the healing arts. These were one and the same. Families would hope their daughters would get accepted into one of these schools because it was one of the most revered 
professions, even more so than a lawyer. Um, kings would consult these practitioners before deciding to go off to war, and they would see them to heal coming back from war before they would bring that energy into their home and their families. Interesting. It was a, it was a very different view of sexuality back then. So Mary Magdalene wearing this sash very likely was a practitioner um, of these arts, if not a high priestess, and more likely is what she did, she took prostitutes off the street, because why does somebody get dragged into that world? They have an overabundance of sexual energy. Right. And she taught them how to use that energy for more spiritual purposes, for more healing purposes. She was a teacher of prostitutes. She was not necessarily a prostitute herself, but even if she was, that's not the level she stayed at. It gave her the necessary background and experience to become a master to these people. And um, you guys saw the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. I assume, mm -hmm. or read the book, right? A very accurate movie. I've studied a lot of Templar texts. Um, very accurate movie. Most everything in there is true about the Grail not being a cup. It's being uh, the womb and protecting the, the bloodline, the genealogy. The part they didn't mention in the movie, I'm going to let out the big secret right here on your show. Um, it's not about Jesus. Jesus was the lucky sperm donor. <laughs> it's Mary's bloodline the Templars have been protecting through the ages because some say, here, here's what I was saying, she wasn't just a practitioner, she was most likely a high priestess. Some say her bloodline can be traced all the way back to Isis of Egypt. Wow. And that's why it's the holy bloodline and why the Templars have been protecting it through the ages. So far wow. from being that's shameful or wow. sinful, sex is at the very foundations of Christianity. It's how Jesus gained these abilities, by doing the exercises Mary likely taught him. Hmm. I... This is very interesting, Andre. I was just reading this week the Epic of Gilgamesh, mm. which has a very similar story of the goddess temple of mm -hmm. Ishtar. Um, it's the same exact story, just earlier. Absolutely. Common threads of the different religions mm -hmm. and traditions. There's a lot of parallels also yeah. between Jesus's life and Horus's life. Yeah, I've heard that. Yes. All the religions are trying to teach us the same thing. It's almost like... How much energy is wasted trying to prove ourselves wrong and somebody else on the other side of the... <laughs> and they, or us right and somebody else on the other side of the ocean wrong. Um, we each have a piece. Let's work together and see how far we get because we're all telling the same story. We're all trying to get to the same place, yeah. which is us having a divine spiritual experience. Yeah, I believe. Or realizing that we are a divine spiritual experience. I believe that's such a powerful truth. Uh, when you realize it's all extensions of self, it's all, you know, as we all come here and we get to this point where we're uh, having an awakening experience, where we're realizing who and what we truly are in our divine roots, if you will, it becomes uh, somewhat of that game, not only on a personal level and, uh, and then expanding to your own sort of maybe soul group or soul family that you're really meant to work closely with, but it's just, you know, it's like the Russian nested dolls. It just keeps expanding out to countries and, and on and on. Mm. It's like, how do, um, you know, okay, I'm a piece of the puzzle. What other pieces of the puzzle are around me to do my own life work? And what do they bring that makes the sum greater than the equal parts? And then that mm. same concept expands out when you start looking at you know cities vi villages towns cities uh, states 
countries and and I'm sure it pre- probably mm-hmm. goes on galactically you know for our um you know the 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 those of us coming uh, behind us, right? <laughs> we'll be their ancestors. That's the dots does. they'll be connecting. So uh, once we can realize this mm-hmm. and say, okay, I have some piece of the puzzle and the other pieces are going to gravitate and how do we work together instead of competitively or collabor- collaboratively, that is going to be the path of uh, our, our ascension, I believe. Right. And ironically, the one thing that all the religions have been shaming and sinning all along is the one thing that actually unifies them. It's the common thread. There's very few of us on this planet that weren't born of a sexual act. It's the one thing that does unify us literally, (laughs) not just um, our traditions. But sadly, yeah, it's been shamed through the ages. And you start out with meditation, you start out with energy awareness, but you can see where logically the next step is to practice these things with another. Whether you do it sexually or not, now integrating the practice with what we perceive to be another, but is really a reflection of ourselves, of course, right? Right. And learning to dissolve those differences consciously and intentionally. And there you get into the practice of Tantra. Yeah, that's that's uh, really, really incredible. And it makes me I actually have the book of secrets sitting here and it makes me want to uh, pull it off the, you know, dust it off the shelf and really dive in and and play with, you know, some of these different um, techniques. Right. Uh, and, and find mm-hmm. and really reveal, you know, I've had this book for probably 10 years and played with some of the techniques a decade ago and uh, really just uh, recommit to exploring this part of myself because it's something even from the sexual perspective like i've touched on i've felt very strongly intuitively that okay you're you're having a lot of um experiences a lot of sexual experiences uh that but there's no you know it's sort of one dimensional and uh, but at some level intuitively i've always felt that okay it's it's because that you know you're you're here for the full ride and there's i think probably, more to right, this right 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 and i imagine there's a lot of listeners out there who resonate with okay i've had sex and even i think back to osho again you know because i've read a lot of his stuff in the past he talked about our orgasms uh in the west being uh, sort of the the most base level type of sexual experience you can have equating it to a sneeze right and meanwhile there's this right. whole other level as you the way you described it was so beautifully put you know you said you know imagine what that feels like having an orgasm and it's just your second uh chakra opening up now imagine all seven and then the exponential you know let's say it's 49 times intense a whole body orgasm i mean that's just an incredible energetic concept right right well technically 14 because there's two of you i can Right, right. So, yeah. 14 <laughs> times 14. Yeah. That's, that's a, a big number. experience. And Osho will also say, that's just the beginning. That right. just gets you to the next layer mm. of the onion. Yeah. Mm. Wow. I have an orgasm question, if I may, <laughs> about mutual orgasm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, two, there's two parts of it. You know, what are really the benefits of orgasming at the same time? And I'm curious if you conceive a child after a mutual orgasm, if that has a certain energetic effect. I've never tried that, conceiving a child, both having an orgasm at the same time, (laughs) not yet anyway. 
Um, I would think that would be the only way I would want to conceive a child. Um, yeah. Intentionally, you make a ceremony out of it. Um, you both pour your, your love, your wishes, your hopes, your intentions into this being you're going to create. Um, and you consciously and with intention have sex and you do orgasm at the same time. That's how I imagine creating a child when the time comes, honestly. Um, I haven't been able to find any reference to what happens when you do that, but I would say here again intuitively, that's how we should be doing it. It feels right. right. Just like um, I'm not a woman in this lifetime, so I'm just speculating how it feels. If I was pregnant, I would much rather give birth at home in a warm bathtub than in a hospital in cold stirrups. It just feels intuitively more natural. Um, this feels like how conception should take place. Uh, as far as orgasm together, it's, it's an exponential effect. It's not just you're both feeling, because you're again feeling each other's orgasms, which is already great. You get to experience twice as many. And even if you don't, if it doesn't happen at the same time, they're still wonderful. And if you learn to tune into each other, you're still having twice as many. So it's a wonderful, beautiful thing, and it's still a, a, a beautiful practice. But if you manage to time them so you have them together, it's not just that it's twice as powerful. Because you're feeling each other, it's again an exponential effect, just like that orgasm with uh, the singing bowl. Because it is vibration. And if it's not literally the sound of your ahs and ohms, it's the... Um, which is really interesting, the sound that you make during sex, right? Ah, 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 is the sound that's in mm. every religion's word for God. Right. Allah, Yehovah, right? Wakantanka in the Native American tradition, that Buddha, Krishna, that ah sound is universal. It's what huh. unites all religions. And it happens to be the sound you make while you're having sex. But even beyond that physical audio spectrum sound, the energy that's resonating out, um, sort of like when you throw one pebble into the pond versus two pebbles, it makes a much more interesting pattern, and it's more than just the two waves combined, because there's an interference pattern that creates even more beautiful waves and designs on top of the pond, right? So it's the same with that orgasmic energy. Um, invisible to most people, though, with practice, you can learn to actually see it and feel it, but I think a lot of us already kind of intuitively have an awareness it's there. We feel it move through the room. It is real, it is there, so having the two together just allows those energies to blend and make even more intricate and even more beautiful patterns that radiate out into the world. And here again, it's the practice of it. Don't just think in terms of destination, we gotta do this right. Yeah. It's the getting there, the practice of it. The journey is you the goal. Get it right is so beautiful because it's not like you're telling each other, okay, three, two, one, ready, honey? Right. You're <laughs> feeling each other. You're feeling that moment without words in each other, which mm -hmm. brings you more in tune automatically. The practice is the beautiful thing. Um, I also recommend, even before you get that far, um, when you're first still sitting there looking at each other, People do that, right? They take the time to just face each other and take each other's bodies in, the beauty of them, the nakedness of them, the energy that they radiate, the attraction you feel towards them, right? Everybody does that? No? Yeah. <laughs> I hope so. If you don't, Hopefully please start that practice. That. <laughs> yeah. Just take a moment to appreciate each other and feel each other before you get into it. Right. Um, it's amazing and it's beautiful. 
synchronize your, your breaths as you do it. And don't try to force it. Let the two breaths naturally fall into each other. Mm. You will feel each other's energy on an even deeper level when you do that. And it's been proven that after two minutes of looking at each other in the eye and matching breaths, your heart rates even synchronize. And yeah. who knows what else synchronizes? The vibrations, the subtle vibrations that we don't feel. Everything starts to synchronize. So if you start from that place, by the time you get to orgasm, doing it at the same time will be the most natural way to do it. You right. won't even have to try. You see what I mean? It's not about holding it. Tantra is not about blocking energy anywhere. It's mm -hmm. about learning to surf the waves and kind of steer them. You see what I mean? Absolutely. That's blocking. That's something that I've really been conscious of as someone who's so task oriented and such a doer in my own life, you know? Uh, and I think for guys in general, we can certainly with sex, it's like, okay, I have a job to do here. We've got an end goal to get to, right? And mm. I really, mm. as I sort of work on myself in these sorts of experiences of, is paying attention to the energy. And what I've noticed with it is how my own energy can ebb and flow. And it's like, oh. if, if the energy is like retracting, I don't need to push through to get to some end result uh, because there's something to prove or something that has to happen. Um, you know, uh, one of us climaxing, exactly. both of us climaxing and just pull back and, and just sort of like, and, and as I've done that, I've noticed like, wow, this is just like, uh, there's a lot of ebbs and flows with my own energy. And as I, as I don't feel the pressure yeah. hanging over my head that I have to accomplish this, this, task that we've all been taught you know it's it's really made it uh, much more enjoyable and pleasurable for me because i'm like okay cool the, the energy seems to have kind of left uh, me them us and that's okay and i you know i think of my friend karis who's on the show co-hosted a few times and i'm sure we'll be back she's amazing we her and i talked a lot about this how you know when she's having those experiences uh, a lot of times with sexual experiences with partners where if she'll instantly sense if uh sort of she talks about their eyes going blank and their heart instantly closing and it's like instantly it's like the sahara de desert mm. for her because it's like nope okay you feel nope, the energy you, shift you too, left yep. you left you're no longer here and i think for for guys especially of course i relate keep relating back to guys because that's the, what I know best, but I think that's, well, that's something why we have we're to be this really conversation of. We're sharing, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And guess what, guys? I'm going to take a lot of the pressure off of you, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong on this, Erica. Your your partner's not looking for a performance, right? Your partner Never. is looking to connect with you. So get your head out Always. of the performance <laughs> and into being present. Mm -hmm. What a great piece of advice. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's just it. Yeah. If, if your attention is, oh my gosh, am I pleasing her? Am I making her happy enough? Oh my goodness, am I going to orgasm too quickly? Or guess where your attention is? Guess where all the problems are going to be? Yep. And she won't Not be at pleased. All. Get out Promise. of your head. Get out yeah. of your penis. This is an act you're sharing <laughs> with another human being. So experience them fully. And they will not be disappointed mm -hmm. if you do that and if you're fully present for the experience. Yeah, if you want your woman to orgasm, look her in the <laughs> eye. It's quite simple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we get so caught like up on all this. Sorry, we get so caught up on all this physical stuff, you know. 
so much physical focus. I know I've been very caught up on it in the past. And now as I'm learning to stop being so focused on that, it's like, oh, wow, there's so much more superpower here that I haven't even been using. Are you kidding? Like, it's it's wonderful. And <laughs> Well, and, absolutely. He, the, yeah. What we discussed about in the meditation, connecting through the eyes first, and then you become aware of the chair, shared energetic experience. Same thing. When you look someone in the eye, what are you doing? You're connecting further. And it's it, like you were saying, the script here again, we, we are unfortunately um, the products of how sex has been redefined, you know, by the porn industry, by the entertainment industry, by the marketing and commercial en- industry in general. I mean, they use sex to sell French fries and milkshakes these days and cars and everything, you know. Um, we're taught that it's about the destination. We're, we're taught it's only the physicality. We're given a script for how events should go. We're doing everything but actually allowing ourselves to experience the act fully. And the layers of shame, probably, and cultural conditioning that we have to shed as well. It's as simple as just being there for each other. You don't need a long manual of, of techniques and things to do. You just need to be present for each other and practice that. And everything else will fall into place. I think Osho's book, uh, it's 112 different ways of saying the same thing or 112 different exercises that pretty much get you to the same place. And that's why he says you'll find your one or your few that work best for you. Right. Being fully present is what it's about. You know, and also the. By the way, I should mention uh, we talked in the beginning. If you don't have a partner, if you're practicing by yourself, you can meditate by yourself. You can experience sexual pleasure by yourself. There is no shame in masturbation, especially if you're doing it for spiritual reasons or energetic cultivation reasons. It's a great way to practice, but don't pull up a porn and watch it when you do it. Focus on your internal energy. Mm. When you do it, I think we actually need a new word for this because I looked it up. Masturbate is, comes from Latin, um, which makes sense um, where it comes from, but it literally means to defile by hand. Hmm. Wow. Mm. That's what the word masturbate means. I think we need a new word for this. No wonder it feels so Exploring icky. Exploring <laughs> your energy. Right. And that's the place you're right. starting from. It's like, I want to do this, but I'm going to feel gross. Like that, the, word, the, word sound, the word feels icky. Like, so now you, you break it down. It's like, oh, because it is mm-hmm. an icky definition. Like, I'm going to sit here and consciously generate positive energy and fully focus on experiencing the joy and bliss of it as it ripples through my body as I do it. Yeah. And unk it. <laughs> now, what about people? What about yeah. people who are you know? You you've touched on porn and things like this, and I think it has uh, you know sort of programmed us. As you're even seeing a lot now about you know social networking, and a lot has even come out in the last week talking about you know uh, an executive at Facebook. Hey guys, you've been being programmed. You had um, uh, Sean Parker, who one of the found you know co-founders, helped early on with Facebook. Uh, yeah, you be, you're being programmed. Same thing as you touched on has mm-hmm. happened with the porn stuff. So what would you say to someone who at this stage is like really turned on by that very physical only like sort of dirty, you know, quote unquote stuff? 
start wherever you're at. The beautiful yeah. thing about Tantra is you don't have to be anything. You don't have to change to be something you're not. You start wherever you're at. If that's how you're used to getting aroused, here again, the I, I think the one thing that all the Tantric practices have in common is you do not shame anything. Right. If you are drawn to do it, you're being drawn for a reason. Allow yourself to explore it. It's in the making things taboo that they become more attractive. Right. And Osho talks a lot about this. Uh, whereas if we allow ourselves to explore it, maybe after a week or so, you'll lose interest in it. Yep. It was the taboo that you were attracted to, not the thing itself. Good um, point. If porn arouses you, fine. No way, no person's way is better than another person's way, no person's is worse, as long as you're not harming anybody in the process. Um, allow yourself to be aroused that way. But now add the energetic awareness to the practice. Mm -hmm. You don't have to stay where you start out at, in other words. Do something new. I mean, you've done it this way hundreds of times, you know. Try for a new experience. See if you like it or not. Yeah, that's a great, great piece of advice. Mm -hmm. um, there's lots of ways to get aroused. N not all of them sexual. I, I'll, I'll confess a little secret. I found myself feeling aroused when I'm in front of crowds of people. And I'm talking, and I'm inspiring them, and I feel their energy shift, and I see the looks in their faces change. Mm -hmm. And the whole room's doing it collectively, and it's coming back to me, and I'm feeling it. So I'm radiating more of it out, and I'm like, this is kind of sexy. <laughs> this is cool. Right. This right. feels good. Here again, there's lots of forms of sexy beyond just the second chakra. Give yourself the permission to play with all of them. Um, one of, when I was studying Tantra, and I'm still studying Tantra, you never really stop, but one of the sexiest workshops I've ever attended, and it inspired me so much, I teach it now, is um, Tantric eating. Hmm. Looking at your food and meditating with it for a while before you put it in your mouth, absorbing the richness of its color, feeling the texture of it in your mouth before you chew it and swallow it. Oh my goodness, this is so sexy. You know, and we do this three times a day. Right. Um, that can be a tantric practice. Um, just talking with someone and taking a moment to open up your heart chakra and feel that person as you're talking to them. And I'm not just necessarily saying during the pleasant conversations, which are wonderful, when we're getting ready to have an unpleasant conversation, what do we do? We psych ourselves up, we rehearse it, and we run it in our minds all day long, gearing up to this. Your energy's already off by the time you get there. How do you think the conversation's going to go? Right. Never the way you rehearsed it. That's how it's going to go. So stop wasting that time. Instead, show up, open up your heart chakra, and convey without words to the other person that you want the best possible outcome for both of you or for everyone con concerned and see how the conversation goes and you'll find yourself finding the right words. This is a great way to dissipate conflicts is instead of adding fire to fire and butting heads like two bulls, send a little love energy and see what happens. I've literally tried this technique consciously when I'm not so hung up in being right or being angry. When I think about it consciously, almost always the argument goes down a notch, if not fully resolves within minutes. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's an energetic thing. It's all energy. Uh, like Tesla said, right? It's all frequency and vibration. Tantra is really the study of 
energy and frequency and vibration. Right. Right. What a fascinating, uh, what a fascinating thing to really f- turn your attention to in a world where there's so much coming at us. I mean, these techniques, even, you know, from this, this book of secrets, which we've touched on a few times. I mean, this is from text that was written like what, like 5,000 years ago, right? So this mm-hmm. is really getting mm-hmm. back to the roots of everything here. So out of all the things to sort of, where do I put my attention and energy? This it makes about as much sense as any anything i don't know about you guys but i want to be a jedi and uh i have to i have to laugh and i've told the story before on the on the show Uh, one of the funniest things that happened to me is that a guy who just a fascinating energetic individual uh, in general and he was he led ayahuasca ceremonies and he started doing mm. ayahuasca like daily, uh, which is w- a wild, mm. wild. I mean, there's a story of him where he's sitting in the uh, f- front row at a Tony Robbins uh, event, and he pa- asks the guy next to him, "Hey, you want some of this?" And it was, and it was ayahuasca. It's just a wild, crazy thing to think about. So this guy was definitely out there, and I'll never forget because mm. I, I, uh, <laughs> I was talking to him at Burning Man, and he's sitting there, and he's all of a sudden he gazes far off into the distance, and then he all of a sudden he comes back, he goes, "Oh, you know." sorry one of the things the gifts that i have is i can see you know we're made of composite souls and i can see that uh you know who and what a, 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 an avatar a being a human is made of and you're five percent luke skywalker <laughs> and i had to crack yeah. up with that it was just so funny and then he goes on to this whole explanation of how well you know any of these movies especially the ones that are you know so much energy around them they're based off of real you know realities and time lines and eternity and blah 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 and he went into this great explanation so i had to laugh about that and i said well it's i funny. knew you were a fellow jedi <laughs> yeah, you, you you feel it just like they say he in the movies I, you feel the force he said i was only three percent mm-hmm. activated but five percent so i guess this is part of my activation as uh in that i guess that makes if you this yoda three percent brandon i can't wait to see four or five percent uh, right. You're an amazing uh, human being. Oh, likewise. You guys are beautiful reflections, and uh, this has been an awesome conversation. I do have a couple last questions I would like to, to throw at you. One, people know I love please. my stories of synchronicity, serendipity, positive paranormal story. You got something good up your sleeve for us? Well, um, for one, the very the very story of how I ended up on this show. I mentioned ah, it yeah, at, that's at, right. at the beginning. That's right, you did. Um, I was driving on a road trip, and I didn't want to leave to chance. You know the radio stations you sometimes come across in the outback? Yep. Um, being <laughs> caught on that for the next couple hours. Uh, so I pre-downloaded some podcasts, and I was searching for new age and spiritual stuff, and Positive Heads comes up, and I'm like, hmm, cool logo, cool cool name and then i saw the the blurb about the introduction I'm like yeah okay i'll download a few of these this sounds like good uh road trip meditation material and the first episode i happened to play was actually when you were away on vacation and it's erica talking wow. about this very topic that's and i'm like awesome. wow people are talking about this on the air and it's a podcast <laughs> so people can share it and even if they didn't catch the live broadcast whenever they need it or they know someone that needs it they can send a link this is so amazing this information is getting out there and then at the end of the show you said well we'd like to do more of this we should find a guest that knows about this topic wow I'm like, me 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 hmm, <laughs> I wonder if I should write in and then well, well, you mentioned there was somebody that you wanted to bring on the show, and you absolutely should, because this is a topic that deserves more than one show. Keep the conversation going. Mm-hmm. But 
what really put me over the fence is um, uh, you kept talking about synchronicities in future shows and, and picking random episodes. Mm. And funny enough, the episodes, because I make a point of listening to your new shows when they come out and then one older episode. Mm. And they were all resonating and speaking to me. And it was like, it was almost like, okay, the show's calling out. Let's just pitch this. Let's just pitch this. And you guys, of course, replied, hey, of course, this is great. And here we are having the conversation that I imagined having when I listened to the very first show. So if that's not synchronicity, I don't know what is. My whole life has been this way. Yeah. And I can't wait to see what episode number I end up being, Brandon, because <laughs> I'm going to go look for this number. I've already envisioned this. Whatever this number ends up being, I know is going to have a very special significance as well. And I'm going to look for the first place that shows up in my life because they always do. Have you noticed? Yep. You notice it on a clock, on a license plate, mm. on a billboard. Um, if you pay attention, those are little clues that our higher self leaves us. Hey, you're on the right track. Keep following the breadcrumbs. So it's, mm -hmm. it's come full circle. And the next full circle is I'm going to wait and see where this number ends up or where it appears next. Yeah, you know, it makes me think of episode 333, uh, if, I rec if I'm recalling correctly, ended up being, uh, and that's a while back now, ended up being like the Christ consciousness episode. And there's been so many times oh, where, you know, and it, it wasn't planned out. If I'm if I'm recalling, uh, I have to go back and listen now and check it out. But uh, And he was 33 years old, yep. and 33 in numerology is an important number. Yeah, 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 exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. So mm -hmm. uh, such a fascinating thing. I think that's really fun that uh, I'll be uh, curious to see what what episode number uh, this happens to be as well. And um, now one of the things that you, um, of course, you have a lot of offerings uh, for anyone who's interested. Maybe you can explain a little bit about that and also um, the, the special, um, you know, discount that you have been gracious enough to put together for uh, Positive Head listeners. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've heard other guests on your show do it, so I thought about it, and I'm like, what can I do? What can I give to this wonderful community that now I'm honored to be a part of? I feel like I've joined, joined the family. You definitely um, have. I, I offer a mm -hmm. few things on my website. I do consultations. I do energy work with people. And the interesting thing is, even if you don't live uh, where I do, which is on the West Coast, I'm based in Los Angeles, uh, we've done tests now over Skype, and over recorded video energy work is not bound by space or time I can absolutely work with folks remotely but I already offer coaching both local and remote I offer healing sessions I'm working on a course right now uh, I'm always doing workshops wherever they'll have me you mentioned some of the places at the top of your show I'll go and teach this wherever they invite me um, but we're, we're making a course now, so even if you're not at one of these events, you can do it at the convenience or the privacy of your home, either alone or with a partner. That'll be available soon. I've got a, work, a book that's in progress right now. So there's a lot of things coming that aren't necessarily on the website yet. Um, it's tantricawakening.net. It, because I see it as more of a network. We're all tra tantricas working together. Mm. It didn't feel right to have a .com. So it's tantricawakening.net. Um, I like that. If... If you put slash P heads, because I know you like that, P-H-E-A-D, <laughs> is it an S or a Z? It's an S, right? S, S, yeah. Yeah, S is in Sam. So P heads, if you put slash P heads on the end, anything that I offer on the website, you guys will get 11% off because I love 11s. 
and that's whatever's on there now and anything I may add in the future I will always continue to have a P heads offering because I'm not just a guest I'm a fan you're doing great work you're continuing to do it I intend to keep listening to your show Brandon so I want anything I develop to always continually be available to the Positive Heads community. So anything I happen to put on the website in the future, the offer will still be good for, um, even if it's not on the website yet. And I'm also offering a special before the new year. You know what? I'll, I'll extend it into the new year because I know how busy the holidays are for everyone. Uh, let's say till January the 11th. 1-11, that's a great number. Perfect. Um, till the 11th of January, for every hour of consulting you buy, if you want to work one-on-one -on -one with me, I'll give you an hour and a half. So you get more wow. than your money's worth, and you get the P-Heads 11% discount on top of it as well. Uh, so a, a little nice. holiday special. And even if you're not there to buy a product, I'm working with a lot of people. We're going to start putting a lot of videos and articles and content to the website. It's a work in progress that's only going to grow over time. Um, so I encourage you to check back on a regular basis, sign up for our mailing list. We're not going to spam you. We're just going to announce new offerings. Hey, we've got a great video on this topic. You know, if this interests you, click this link. It'll be like that. It'll be two or three a month. We're not going to flood your inbox, but plug in so you know when new things become available. And we also have a group on Facebook. I check your group here and there. And if I see a topic, um, that I can contribute to, I will. But unless you, you know, actually mention me, I don't know that somebody's asking a topic that pertains to me. Um, so I'll answer them when I see them. But if you want to ask me a question, I also have a Tantric Awakening group on Facebook. And you can post a question there, and uh, either myself or somebody else that's knowledgeable in the group will jump on it and answer it. I encourage just keep the dialogue going. Um, Wonderful. Ask the questions, have the conversations. Uh, that's how we all grow and that's how the world heals. You know, that's my one wish is this, this sparks ongoing conversations. Yeah, that is absolutely wonderful. Very, very gracious of you to offer that the discount. waves ripple out. Yes, they do. And you have, I'm so glad your wave rippled out and you reached out to me because this has been a fascinating conversation. I know Erica well enough to know she's absolutely loved it. She's just wishing we had another hour or so. Um, <laughs> yes. So maybe we'll have to do it again sometime. I, am. <laughs> I, I, I would love to. You know how to reach me. Yeah, absolutely. Erica, you know, uh, there's one question left and I'm going to let Erica ask ask it because I'm pretty sure she knows what it is by now. Oh, jeez. Okay. And, uh, yeah, it, one I say 60 seconds, but you're, yeah, 60 right, potato, Andre, potato. 60 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> 60 seconds are left. According to Andre Knight, what is the meaning of life? Oh, wow. Um, experience. Experience on all levels and with all our senses because if it wasn't for experience, we wouldn't need to incarnate here. I was actually sitting with this question for a long time, and if you're this universal consciousness, um, why create the world? Why have this experience? The Vedas tell us the entire world is Brahma's dream, or Brahma having, Brahma having a dream. Why do it? I was sitting and meditating with this question, and it dawned on me, if you're omnipotent, if you are everything, there is actually one limitation. You cannot experience yourself. Hmm from outside of yourself. Yep. So I've come to believe we incarnate in our bodies to experience things. And that's why I preach experiencing them more fully. Don't be ashamed of your sexuality. 
Don't be ashamed of tasting and trying new foods. Don't be ashamed of anything. Experience more. That's why we're here. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That makes me think of uh, conversations with God. Neil Donald Walsh or God, whoever is talking in that book, says we're God-godding. And that's exactly this. Yeah, we're the universe's way of experiencing itself and learning about itself. You are doing a service to God by having experiences. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much, Andre, for coming on and uh, dropping your wisdom, sharing your wisdom. And uh, I'm sure we'll oh, meet my in th- I'm Thank sure, you both. I'm sure we'll meet in 3D. If you have any uh, you. Yeah. events or anything, you know, I'm not far from you, uh, just outside of LA. Uh, and I would love to connect in person at some point. I'm sure that'll happen. And um, yeah, uh, Erica, well, thank uh, you for It's interesting. Our, our, talking about synchronicity a lot of our circles i noticed already overlap so it's it's only a matter of time of course, <laughs> of course. i look of course. forward to it the pieces of the puzzle are coming back together and uh, thank you mm-hmm. both for being beautiful pieces the rainbow tribe <laughs> exactly is <coming> yes <laughs> thank you both thank you thanks guys all right from there i'll record an outro that was awesome you rock andre yeah yeah thank you guys From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Well, everyone, that concludes this week's interview episode. If you have enjoyed this positive download from our hearts and minds to yours, please take a minute, give us a rating or review on iTunes, since iTunes is the holy grail of all things podcasting. Uh, Your good reviews help us to reach more listeners. Also, we would be extremely appreciative if you would tell your friends and family about the show. Our sincere intent with the Positive Head podcast is to spread positivity to the world because, well, because we're selfish, quite honestly. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really only halfway joking. I'm referring to the good kind of selfish based on the knowing that we all get what we give in this life because when we give, we're actually always giving to extensions of self since we're all really one in the same consciousness, just in different bodies. So if you want to be a good selfish along with us by helping to spread the positivity, by all means, please proceed to shout about the Positive Head podcast from your rooftop. (laughs) Otherwise, As you continue on your fabulous journey in this 3D reality, be sure to remember this. As long as you ain't dead, you're already positive ahead. Journey well, everyone, and thank you for being.